Hey there. This episode originally aired on my Patreon many months ago, so some of the information might be a little bit outdated by now. If you'd like to check out episodes as soon as they come out, you can join my $3 tier over there, or you can subscribe to check out full episodes coming here eventually. Either way, the choice is yours. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pat's Creative Podcast episode... Shoot. I, I should really actually think about doing the intros before I do them. It's episode something. You guys will see it in the title. Uh, but today I'm joined by a very special guest known as Bailey Ordaway. Did I pronounce that correctly? You did. One of the few that actually do. <laughs> awesome. Bailey, would you care to introduce yourself for all the people out there? Oh, God. The, the introducing yourself question is always such a difficult question because it's hard to talk about yourself without either sounding insecure about yourself or like you're just boasting about yourself. Yeah. There's a fine line between insecurity and pretentiousness, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's why I have the other people do it. I don't want to be the guy who does it. (laughs) Okay, so my name is Bailey Ordway. These days, primarily, I do YouTube. But before I was ever doing YouTube uh, as my primary creative venture, if that's what you want to call it, I started writing books when I was uh, 16. I got three published novels now. And I hit a bit of a writer's block at one point. Uh, and decided to start my own movie review blog. And I did that for probably about four years until I just got tired of it. I didn't didn't necessarily get tired of it, I guess. I just wasn't getting the satisfaction I was before. It wasn't enough of a challenge. I wanted to be able to do more than watch a movie and write for half an hour. So I went over to YouTube because uh, YouTube has always been a big part of my life. And I was watching a lot of people like Jeremy Johns and Chris Stuckman and everybody on screen junkies and I'm a big movie buff so naturally I went into movie reviews Um, and it was about a year ago that uh, I switched up my content to more of like a pop culture commentary type channel right now to give a little bit of a background as to how I discovered your channel um, it was only relatively recently but I noticed in my uh, in my podcast I've interviewed like a lot of people who are specifically within the gaming community and whatnot and that's just because that's where a lot of my interests lie but i've been really trying to broaden the kind of creators i bring on in different fields so i actually i, I put out like a post on i think the reddit is called new youtubers specifically asking for movie review channels because i wanted to discover new channels that review movies mm-hmm. uh and i i i don't remember if you submitted or someone else submitted for you but i discovered your channel that way and one of the things that immediately stuck out to me about your channel as opposed to other movie review channels is that I like your style of not wasting people's time in a way. Um, I, I very much am also similar when I review things. It's more like run and gun. I just kind of say right. what's important to me. And that's, you know, that's I, in my head. It's like, that's why people are here to hear what's important to me. So I, I usually cut out the noise of like, here's uh, a, a score on the plot. Here's the score on the characters. Here's a score on like, like all that. stuff. I just, I'd prefer to just talk about like the things that stick out to me. And I, I get the mm-hmm. feeling that's kind of the way you do it too. And that's why I, I very much enjoy your channel. And then recently you actually made a video saying, uh, what was the number? Was it, how many videos had you uploaded by that time um, for that celebration? Uh, it, was a, it was a hundred video special and that's a hundred on this channel. And the thumbnail, which was a little bit clickbaity, but honest at the same time, was sure. at a picture of me in my very first YouTube video on a separate channel 13 years ago. And then me in my most recent video and it said 13 years on YouTube. Right. I mean, it's it's still fitting because you were talking yeah. a lot about your past anyway. So I mm-hmm. wouldn't say that's dishonest clickbait. And the best kind of clickbait is obviously honest clickbait. And I'd say yeah. that that falls in the lines. Um, but yeah, I, I was very fascinated by that because I heard just how many 
not just uh, with regards to making movie reviews, but you've dabbled in so many other creative fields as well, including, like you mentioned earlier, writing books and whatnot. And um, I was like, this is just someone I want to have on the podcast because you have such a creative experience with other fields. And I love to just bring that up, compare the two and whatnot. So that's how I discovered this channel. And I'm very glad I did. Uh, and now that you're here, I can ask you whatever kind of questions I want. You can't go anywhere. You're stuck here now, right? Um, I mean, yeah, I uh, I told everybody to stay off the internet for an hour so that my internet doesn't drop. So I'll go downstairs early. They're gonna they're gonna think something's up. So I'm stuck here. <laughs> it's immediately back onto the, uh, Netflix and streaming sites as soon as you walk downstairs. So. Um, uh, my first question I kind of wanted to ask you, which kind of pertains to what you were talking about a little bit already, but, um, Mm -hmm. have you always like considered yourself an artist or someone who at least likes to make things? Or would you say that was kind of developed a little bit later in your life when you started writing books and and making YouTube videos and whatnot? What's your creative origin story in a way? Well, I wouldn't say it's necessarily something that I've considered myself, but if I go back and look, I've always leaned heavily creative. I've been playing uh, drums uh, since I was 11 years old. And originally drums was just an instrument that uh, my mother got me because I had way too much energy. And she was like, here, go go hit things for a while until it sounds nice. Um, but I just threw myself into music. And, uh, and on top of that, just, I remember going to libraries and bookstores and I used to think they're the most amazing places. And even at like six or seven years old, I would think I really want to have my name up there. I want to go to the O section and see Ordway or the B section and see Bailey. It was just an aspiration of mine. Interesting. And um, I suppose a lot of it is just uh, the need to find a hobby, just trying to keep boredom away. I, I watch, you know, I watch TV for three hours and I'm like, I'm just so unbelievably bored i need something to keep my brain busy something to keep my hands busy right and um i think the uh the niche of youtube i'm in which involves about one hour of editing per every minute of video keeps me very busy of course of course yeah what's so funny about editing is is once you first learn the software you learn how to do things pretty quickly but you don't fully understand in your head that just because you know how to do something doesn't make it not time consuming or not difficult because mm-hmm. it's so many little steps that are just built up on top of each other that it's like uh it's something that's like not intimidating to get into but intimidating to actually do like it's you you would expect it to not be as as involved as it is um but yeah you you were saying like you you wanted to see your name up like in the library right was would you say you were fascinated with the idea of being noticed as or being credibly noticed more so than just having stories you wanted to share like did the story building part kind of come later oh yeah i mean i think um i think anybody that does creative ventures and strives to you know uh, do concerts or have books in bookstores or get subscribers on youtube anytime anybody says that they're not looking for a little bit of notoriety they're lying. It may not be the main thing you're doing it for. You you may be actually doing it primarily as a creative uh, endeavor to keep yourself busy because you legitimately enjoy what you are doing. But if you just enjoyed what you're doing and you liked the outcome of the video or the book, then there's no reason to put it out there unless a part of you is hoping to be noticed, hoping to have that little bit of notoriety. Yeah. So yeah, there was absolutely a part of me 
that um, saw these these people that I idolized and was like, not only do I want to meet them, but I want to be them. You want and, to be among them at the very least. In the yeah, be theme. among them, you know? Um, uh, John Green is one of my all-time favorite authors. Um, actually, my, my favorite author. I've done a couple videos on the community and on, on him and on his books. And uh, I'd say he was a big inspiration to me because I, he was he's actually uh, on YouTube, one of the OGs of YouTube, if you want to call him that, because they start, him and his brother sure. started doing it back in um, 2007, I believe, January of 07. And uh, talk about was, creative individuals. They've, they've done everything. They're oh all over God, the place. Oh my God, I know. Um, that's, that's one of the things that just amazes me about them. But I'm like, I yeah, I mean, I work full time. But on top of that, I do one video a week or one video every two weeks. And I do a couple edit hours of editing at night and I'm exhausted. And I'm like, how do these guys have five different channels, four it's different admirable. businesses? They run VidCon. They have eight podcasts and are both full-time authors. I'm like, how do you, how do you get that done? <laughs> it's like entirely devoting your life into producing things. It's, it's actually crazy. It, it feels almost like a creator's pipe dream though. Because, uh, yeah, you know, to, to we always, you know, very few times do creators only want to create one kind of thing. You know, as uh, as time goes on, you keep getting these ideas for certain projects or certain fields you want to try out in like the realm of creation. To be mm -hmm. able to actually do that, have the luxury of experimenting in other fields, so many people don't. You know, so when you see people like John Green and whatnot who are able to do that, it's just. It's impressive. It's downright uh, admirable. It, it it makes it's inspiring. It's inspiring to like maybe I'll get to a point where I'll have the kind of freedom to be able to create that way. You know, it's uh, oh yeah, exactly. A creator's pipe dream, really. So, um, you, you said that you were like interested in drumming for a bit. Was that your main form of of music creation, or did you have other instruments you were also playing? And like, how much uh, music would you say you were typically consuming? Would you consider yourself a big music guy? Well, uh, I'm actually a Wu-Tang Clan t-shirt right now. I don't know if that if you can see that in the shot. I um, saw it, but I feel bad because I'm so bad with band names. I don't I don't know any of them. What is that? Uh, a... They're a um they're a rap group from New York back in the 1990s that I'm a big fan of. But uh my my wife actually got me this shirt yesterday and I was like that's amazing. I'm wearing it on the podcast tomorrow cuz it's such a cool shirt. <laughs> Very nice. But um yeah, I've been playing drums since I was uh, 11 years old. So I suppose actually 13 years now. And uh, I always joke when people ask if I play any instruments, I say, no, I play drums. I don't play instruments because <laughs> I've never been able to play anything but drums. Uh, I've wanted to play piano, but it confuses me. I can't get the finger work down, same with guitar. I can't even play uh, the bass guitar. And drums is an entirely different animal from all, animal from all of that. Yeah. I, takes a certain amount of skill and, and rhythm and you after a while you learn how to just pick up and just play with anybody to make a, a good beat behind whatever they're doing um but i'm just hitting big round things with sticks you know uh, yeah uh, i've always been jealous of guitarists and pianists because they can play something beautiful and people will recognize the song if i'm playing a song on drums you're not going to recognize what the song right is, you know? right it's just not quite how it works now no, but yeah it, have you ever been interested in uh, like writing lyrics for music or vocally singing stuff? Because uh, I mean, I, I because you have a fascination in writing. I didn't know if you ever felt like, and also a fascination in rap, which is you know a very lyrical form of music. 
I didn't know if you've ever had a fascination of, of trying to craft that yourself, or is that not really something you're interested in? It's, it's something that I've tried in the past. I was in a uh, band for about a year called uh, Saving Throw, and um, it just kind of fell apart, not because of any creative differences, but because we're both, we were both married with two kids and full-time jobs and just getting together once or twice a week to play music got kind of difficult on top of everything else. Um, but we, we, I don't know if you know who 21 Pilots are. Um, I definitely know the name, of, but I, I wouldn't yeah, be able to so tell you. They're kind of like alternative is. rock um, with, uh, they do a lot of rapping on top of uh, like heavy beats and the bass guitar. I'm probably doing a horrible job describing it, but we did a lot of stuff like that. It was like rock, but with a rapper instead of a singer. Gotcha. And um, I tried my hand at writing, but uh, our, our lead singer was so much better of a writer that putting all of my very amateur lyrics next to his, I suppose just wasn't good for my self-confidence as a lyricist writer. Interesting. Um, but it, it, was, it wasn't bad. I just don't think that I uh, had anything to write about. And on top of that, if you're not singing, which it's kind of difficult to do when you're playing drums, it's hard to write for somebody else. Like when yeah. he wrote his lyrics, he was writing his own emotions, his own experiences, and he right. was the one singing it. It's kind of weird to write my own emotions and experiences. And yeah. Then yeah. It, it feels, it feels almost like there's a translation error because it, it's all thoughts and feelings that you've had. And that's where lyrics usually comes from is thoughts and feelings. And to just have someone else project that not, it, not only does it probably feel weird for you, the, the writer, but also the person projecting it, you know, it feels almost like, you're 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 uh playing another part singing a different song like doing a cover of another song even if it was the band's yeah. work you know at least that's what i imagine i i say this without having any experience in the matter but i i can totally see why that would be uh feel off to you yeah exactly and um there's just something different about like he would he would sing about very very personal experiences to him very difficult emotions he was dealing with and you know obviously everybody has those types of things i have those types of things and we were very comfortable together. I wouldn't have minded singing about those things, but uh, having him sing it instead of myself almost felt more personal and like opening up more because uh, then if, even if I was doing it myself in front of him or in front of other people. Because you know I mean? it's almost like he's telling you your thoughts. Like he read yeah, your exactly. mind and explaining and, what you feel. And uh, because of that, I, I tried a couple times writing a couple songs, but because I couldn't go too deep, I couldn't explore any deeper emotions or uh, anything like that. It just never felt as good as what he was writing because I couldn't, I, I guess I just couldn't honestly write about what I wanted to write about, which is emotional things. All the best songs are about deep things. You know what I mean? Of course. Yeah. Now, um, speaking of like writing about deep things and and i guess it's just written articulation in general or even just verbal articulation you know uh what mm -hmm. what do you think's been of all the mediums in art that you've tried what do you think's been the one that you can feel you best articulate yourself like if, if you have a typewriter in front of you uh, that's really old school if you have a typewriter in front of you do you feel yeah, like you'd I be able one there and an, I, and an I old school typewriter there. i got i have two old school typewriters behind me i collect them i have about a dozen of them and those are my two best condition ones wow. that i have in my background do you ever do you ever just go on them for fun or is it kind of like thing you can't touch because they're like collectibles no no um the blue one over here i don't know if you can see it all that well the blue one i go on every now and then 
um, just because it just feels really nice to type I on a imagine. typewriter. And I yeah. like the, the clickety-clack sound of it and the ching at the end when you push it back. Right. Um, okay. Then I have some really, really old ones that are from like 1910 uh, that I just wow. do not touch. They go yeah, you don't want to touch those. I them up, they go in a closet, and I forget they exist unless I want to show them off. Right. Okay, I've got an impromptu question about that then. Uh, mm-hmm. do you do you find their enjoyment with the idea of writing with more permanence to it? Like, do you feel like that's an, a legitimate feeling some people or some writers might have? Because, you know, with, with electronic typewriters, obviously you keep going back and you editing things. Do you feel like there's some kind of value to having more permanent form of typing or do you think it just doesn't matter? Okay, that's a lot. That's that's a lot deeper of a thought about typewriters than I've ever had. <laughs> Sorry, I just think they look cool and I like the sound of them. Okay, but okay. I really I like the I like the deep way you think about typewriters. <laughs> I'm definitely going to steal that one next time somebody asks me why I like typewriters. Yeah, yeah that that one's a freebie. The I'm next like, one, you know, I like the I like the permanence of it. You know, and they're just going to think I'm so smart and artistic. <laughs> Yeah, every, every once in a while, I just find something that is like, oh man, that sounds like a fascinating thought. I wish I had a, a creative thought of, of valuing the importance of having to use white out to gray things out. Anyway, um, but to kind of get yeah, back on to that, that's a lot smarter than my answer. <laughs> that sounds better. I'm going to well, that answer. I'm going to that one. Okay, I'll let you have that one. I'll let you have that one. I'll, okay, I'll take the next you. one. Yeah. Um, okay. So, but uh, would you say that like you can better articulate yourself basically with pen and paper? than you can uh, like you do on YouTube with a microphone in front of you? Or is it kind of the, the same level of articulation, just different forms? Like how, what's what's your take on that with regards to articulation specifically? See, um, as much as I like writing and as, uh, as much time as I've spent doing it, probably more time than I have on YouTube just because of the fact I've written three books that are over you know, 40,000 words a piece and I got hundreds of reviews on my old blog. Sure. Um, but I can, I think I could probably articulate myself best on YouTube in the video format because I never actually uh, write a script like a lot of reviewers do sure. or a lot of commentary channels do. I have bullet points. So I write down 10 to 20 bullet points that I want to touch on, figure out what order would make the most coherent sense in a video. And then I just start talking and uh, it, I feel like that's best because when I'm writing, I have a million ideas in my head and my mouth is faster than my hands. So when I'm typing, I can't keep up with my thoughts and I forget some things that I wanted to talk about, things that I thought were important or cool. But when I'm just doing a video, I can ramble on and I can go back and forth in different topics. And then later on in post, uh, I can make it seem like a coherent thought, if that makes sense. And that's not as easy to do on pen and paper to in post yeah. adjust everything you said. I, I Do you get like senses of perfectionism when you're writing too? Because that's the main reason I don't do a lot of scripted stuff is because I will write like a couple of lines. They'll be fair points, but then I'll reread them over and over again and think, okay, wait, am I saying too much here? Am I saying too little? While when you put a microphone mm-hmm. in front of me, I'm able to say exactly what I need to say in no shortage of time. It's It's like just a completely different form almost like i feel like i almost the the university side of me starts to kick in when it comes to writing things down because i'm used to essays and things having to be perfect and and having no filler content and stuff while when i'm just talking in front of a microphone suddenly all those worries are gone and i feel like i can get thoughts through so much quicker you know what is that is have you felt some similarly when writing your books oh yeah absolutely um and the thing is the difference between like like script writing and just kind of a rambling rant of 
nonsense that you know you fix and post is that when you write something down let's say you fill a notebook with like four pages right right then uh when you when you write that down it can take hours and hours of focusing on every single word and making sure that you're wording things properly making sure that you have the right pause breaks that you're talking about every single thing for the amount of time that you want to and then you can read it thinking that it's going to fill up 15 minutes and you've spent hours on end and you got three minutes of video because um you know a page a page a minute of of reading and that's that's the frustrating part is that when you're when you're trying to write a script or you're writing a book um you'll really condense all of your thoughts down uh and it'll sound at least i struggle with making it sound more conversational all of my thoughts will be condensed down because much like you when i was in college i took a lot of writing classes and they didn't want you to ramble they didn't want to be conversational they wanted it to be an essay yeah so when i do write it's much more professional sounding it's much more essay sounding it's much more um yeah like i said professional and not creative sounding it sounds like i'm trying to convince somebody of something rather than having a conversation with somebody which is not what i like and inherently when you see something written you have a harder time understanding that it is a voice that someone is saying and it makes it even Mm -hmm. harder when it's more formulaic and more like point after point after point instead of like you said a fluid conversation so I, it's 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 like an, an an inherently tough thing to write versus speak, right? And then, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I mean, ultimately, you still do enjoy writing, right? And do you plan on oh, like yeah, going absolutely. back to writing books? Yeah, I, I love writing. I love writing, and I'll absolutely write more books. I haven't um, I haven't sat down to write in a book. Oh God, uh almost a year now a year uh, no almost two years two years and two months i haven't been able to sit down and write but um that's more personal life stuff than like i have a writer's block i use youtube as a creative outlet because i haven't been able to write because sure. uh my youngest son was born uh in march of uh ni- 19 right so he'll be okay too soon and i've always written to me routine is very important actually on my screensaver uh, I have uh, a quote. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. I no, love quotes. Maybe not. But I, <laughs> I, have a, I have a quote on my screensaver that says, the best writers write. They find that routine is their best friend more than inspiration is. Definitely. And I've always found that to be very true. To me, I would get up in the morning, I'd make my coffee, I'd sit in the same recliner that I've written every single book in, and i get my laptop on my lap, and I'd write from like 6 a.m. until 9 or 10 a.m. And I do that every day. Sometimes what I wrote was really, sure. sometimes it was really great. Yeah. But it was the routine of it. And um, I have, now that I have a two-year-old, I wake up when he wakes up. He wakes up at 6.15 in the morning. He's like, hey, dad, time, time to get up. I need some food. A personal alarm clock. Yeah, pers- personal alarm clock, yeah. So um, I've yet to find a time uh, that suits me as well as mornings do because that's when it really feels like the inspiration juices are going in my head sure. for writing is in the early morning. I get I get home from work in the evening and I'm just too exhausted that uh, the strain of writing just, uh, I can't do it in the evening. So I got sure. to find time. And I will eventually, when he gets older and he's no longer my 6.30 a.m. Uh, you know, living alarm clock, I'll get back to writing in the mornings. But I haven't gotcha. found the right balance of family and work 
and YouTube, which I'm really enjoying focusing on, but also sure. writing, which I eventually want to get back to because that's yeah. what I've been doing, you know, since I was 16. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and one thing that's kind of nice about doing YouTube and similar content is that it's the level of like, I guess, gratification it differs from other art fields because you can upload something and then get gratification for it um, on like a weekly basis. Like you upload weekly. So on a weekly basis, you kind of get a little bit of gratification for having something done. When you're writing a book, do you ever get almost discouraged or demotivated because you're so trapped in one art project that doesn't get done Mm. for like the longest amount of time? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. When I was trying to, uh, do YouTube as well as daily or every other day content when I was just doing the movie reviews. Cause now I'm, like I said, I'm doing much more like pop culture commentary with like 10 to 15 minutes, much higher, uh, a much more amount of time spent editing. Um, but I used to do just like standard movie reviews, TV show reviews, book reviews, just quick and easy two to four minute videos. So I'd have them up every other day, but, um, Doing writing and doing that was very difficult. Yeah. Um, and I found the videos more satisfying because like like you said, writing is difficult because you don't get the satisfaction of something being complete for like two years yeah. or more. And you you're know? just hoping that it, the gratification's like bigger than the the process and the struggles you've had writing it for that yeah, long, it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like you, you sit down every single day or you know, once a week, if you're busy and you write something for a year, two years, five years, some people spend 10 years on a book and there's no, there's no big feedback. You don't put it out there. It's not done. You don't get to look at something in your hands or on a screen and be like, I made this, this was time well spent. Whereas on YouTube or, you know, like a podcast, you, you have something that you can put up there that's complete and you can get input on, you know, once a day, once a week, once a month. And just or even instant with, response on it right and even with like the rise of live streaming sometimes it's even just a matter of 10 seconds you'll get some kind of feedback yeah, you know what i mean exactly yeah, yeah. it's yeah, it's such which an... is which is huge these days oh my god yeah yeah it's kind of crazy it's funny because i uh i remember back when very few people were using twitch but um it kind of had like a bit of a renaissance of people being like oh this is actually really good for creators and then as it gets bigger and bigger, now there's more and more complaints about it not uh, being the best place to create things. But Well, I mean, kind of a kind of a side topic from uh, everything else. Yeah, but sure. Every single YouTuber, it doesn't really matter what niche they have. It doesn't matter if they are a gamer like Jacksepticeye or Markiplier or if they do content like me, like Mr. Gigi or Amanda the Jedi, they also all play Twitch. Like yeah. every single YouTuber out there also has a Twitch account right. that they put Twitch on. Yeah. And it's because why not? You're already playing games with your friend. Why not monetize that as well? You yeah. Know? Why not Absolutely. play games for six hours and come out of it with a thousand? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe. I don't know how much they make. It's probably a lot. And there's a lot of people who, you know, complain about Twitch. And there's also a lot of people who complain about YouTube and they're still chugging on YouTube and Twitch. You know, it's, and that's not to say you shouldn't. Um, acknowledge problems problems with platforms. You know, obviously you should make note of it, but um, it is it is fascinating just the, the day and age we live in where that's even viable. But I, I think like the fascination with Twitch specifically is that before before Twitch and YouTube, you know, so much of entertainment was done with a live audience, and I feel like when you go into YouTube, you're not used to that until you start trying out Twitch and you realize that having a live audience, there's something special to that, right? As opposed to 
more of a gallery view with YouTube where you just put something on the wall and wait for reviews and comments from people you'll never see. With Twitch, you know, it's just more intimate. So I think a lot of creators just realized like that is, there's some value to that, right? And um, I think that's why Twitch and other live streaming platforms have done so well. You know, even streaming on YouTube has become so much bigger. When they first like, when they first had streaming on YouTube, it was the most horrendous system I'd seen. It was so complicated to work. There was about a minute delay for everything that was said. Um, but sure enough, Twitch is on the rise and YouTube actually tries harder with it. And now it's whether or not you stream on YouTube or Twitch, it's, it's from what I hear, it's about the same kind of reception, you know? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good experience. Um, yeah. You know, that's kind of the, the one thing that kind of caught my interest that you're saying is the connectivity of the creator and their fans mm-hmm. or their watchers, whatever you want to call them. Sure. That's kind of the main difference between like mainstream media stars, like movie stars and TV stars and all like that, to YouTubers and uh, Twitchers. Twitchers? That, I like Twitch. Twitchers a lot. And that's definitely not what it's supposed to be, but I like it a lot. So let's go I with like it. I like Twitchers. Uh, yeah. um, or I mean, even, God forbid, TikTokers, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Is that yes. You have that direct link. There's no middleman. I mean, how how in the hell would you get in contact with Brad Pitt or yeah. Jennifer Lawrence or somebody right. like that? It's, it's not conceivable to ever get in contact with them. Right. But I could tweet out to Jack Septicai or I could tweet out to John Green or I could get on you know one of their uh, Twitch streams. Although John Green's a bad example, I, I don't think he has a Twitch stream um, yet. And I could you know hypothetically I could say something in the chat they could look over, read it, and respond directly to me. And it's not like they have less of an audience. There's just not that middleman in between right. us and uh, the person. So I think even though people like you know, PewDiePie have 110 million subscribers, they're arguably bigger than a lot of mainstream media actors, you feel more connected with them. You Absolutely. feel more a part of their community, more a part of their community then you are a fan when you're right. undoubtedly a fan of movie stars. You're not, they don't have yeah. a community behind them. Yeah. It's, it's the strange leg up that YouTube has against a lot of traditional media is the you part of YouTube, the individual yeah. aspect. And I, I think like a lot of, that's why, you know, I feel like genuine creators typically get the highest reception is because, or not highest, but the best reception. Like people are there to see people. That's ultimately what it comes down to. The kind of content you see on Netflix, a lot of times, let's face it, in every production sense is better than a lot of the stuff you see on YouTube, right? It's, but the reason YouTube even has a legging is because of the individual creators there and the people who want to see genuinosity. Like you were saying with like Brad Pitt or other actors, they're, they're essentially not people to the public eye. You know, they're essentially not even real. We we don't even have concrete evidence that they exist. You know what I mean? Like, how do we convince ourselves that these are actual people? While with YouTube, you have such direct conversations between people, or at least compared to the traditional media world, that it's it's a whole nother beast. And it's exciting. It's it's very exciting to see um, such an intimate relationship between creators and audiences that is unlike ever before, right? Yeah, um, exactly. These are, these, they're idols. Like, yeah. What you just said is perfect. They're not people in your eyes. Right. They are idols. You, that's why you see you see these people at the store. Somebody walks up, sees Chris Pratt, you know, at Walmart. They're gonna lose their goddamn mind because it's like they're seeing a god, you know, exactly. something that they've only ever seen in their tiny little screen. They don't see them as a person. They just see yeah. them as this multi-millionaire idol. Whereas mm-hmm. 
if I were to see a YouTuber in the store, it makes sense to me. They're a person. They can they they communicate with uh, with their community. Uh, you see a lot more of their life. You don't just see them on the screen. You know, maybe they've done some right. vlogs in the past. Maybe they do an eight-hour live stream where obviously they're going to relax. They're going to open up more. They're going to talk more like a person rather than yeah. having a script that they read from right. or having a fake interview on Jimmy Fallon where everything is scripted. Um, they're, they, they seem more like a person because they open up more about their life. But there's yeah. also a lot of bad caveats that come up with opening up about your life, which you see, which is people thinking that I'm this person's friend. So if I can see, I, if I see him in the store, I can go up to him and give him a hug or I can go to yeah. their house because some people get sucked into that community right. too much and that friendliness and closeness. Yeah. We, we've talked about that. Relationship. Right. It's, we, we talk about it a lot on the podcast of just um, having a difference between personal appearances and public appearances. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Just because you can now connect with an audience doesn't mean that you should connect them to every aspect of your life. And you see creators all the time nowadays who are like getting into some forms of trouble or having legit breakdowns online all because their lives are entirely under the pressure of, of appearing in audience that mm-hmm. they gave maybe a little bit, a little bit too much food for thought. Right. Um, but you know, it's, it's every art medium has, uh, has problems like that. You know, it's, it's not just a, um, an online creator kind of thing but right. it certainly is uh is a problem but you know it's it's just a lot can be solved with just simply understanding that um not everything that happens needs to be known to the public you you don't need to tweet everything you do you don't need yeah. to yeah but that's kind of the that's kind of one thing that i have talked with uh my wife a lot about because we're both very big into youtube both of us into watching it i'm the only one making it um and I've talked with her her a lot about like, hey, what kind of stuff can I discuss? Can I open up about? You know, uh, do you not want me to say this? Do you not want me right. to say that? If I'm rambling in a video about something or it's a little bit more of a personal topic, what can I say? And we've had discussions like that. And yeah, granted, I, I have uh, low subscribers right now, but everybody does at some point. And so let's say tomorrow, a video I upload gets picked up somebody likes it they share it on twitter it gets uh, it gets on the front page or reddit all of a sudden a bunch of people are you know looking at my channel um and then i i'm very careful now about like i just bought a house i didn't post any pictures of my house on my public instagram or on twitter because you know i've seen horror stories of people i watch that people have gone through their videos and you know cross-referenced picture or yeah. captures of their video gone through like real estate yeah. sites and then found out where yeah. the house is. Yeah. You know, it's funny you bring that up now. Cause just the other day I saw a video that was said, it said it was like a house tour of, well, I, I almost don't even want to say the person's house because I don't want people to look this up. It was so boggling to me, but it said house tour of X celebrity here. And it, it laid out like it showed like satellite pictures as to where it was, what the room layout was and stuff like that. And it was promoting it like, like pridefully like like this it's it was like this is another house tour it's like how many times have you done this how many times have you just entirely shown people like where people i was i was so boggled because it was it was a relatively big channel and i was like how is this a normal thing like how are you just 
is no one else really concerned about this but yeah i mean in your case too like you have you have a family you know you you're mm-hmm. not just uh saying infor- you're not just showing information about yourself if you actually show information you're showing potential information about other people who aren't even involved with your form of creation you know so it's yeah you gotta be extra cautious i'm imagining oh yeah exactly like um if it were just me then it wouldn't be that big of a deal. I'd show off my house or whatever. If people showed up at my doorstep every now and then, bummer, that sucks. Please go away, whatever. Yeah. But, you know, if people people show up at my doorstep and my, you know, two-year-old son opens the door uh, because somebody's knocking, then that's not a good thing. So, yeah. Someone I rolled a one in that scenario. That's, a, that's yeah, not a great I, scenario. I, I tend to keep that kind of stuff a little bit more private, but it also helps that I live in a town of 3,000 people uh in the middle of nowhere so the chances the the chances of me getting a million subscribers and have that happen one in a million already lightning in a bottle chances of uh, the chances of somebody finding even the town that i live in is even smaller yeah yeah for sure yeah no it's it's um it's it's easy to be it's easy to like get lenient on it too. Every once in a while, I'll find my, mm-hmm. especially because I, I do streams every once in a while. I do a lot of podcasts. You know, this is an hour discussion. Every once in a while, I'm bound to say at least something that I probably wouldn't normally say. You know, like, and when I think about it, I'm like, oh, maybe I should cut that out. And I've cut out one or two things. Uh, but it's easy to just, you know, when you're literally being you to just be off your guard, you know, how do you entirely be on your guard when the whole purpose of you filming is to show you and, and what your thoughts are and stuff like that? So there has been like couple situations, but you know, ultimately, like you said, like it'd be, it'd be have to be one lightning in a bottle to get the kind of retention where people would actually care about where I live. And then a second light in a bottle for people to actually find it. Right. So it's, exactly. it's not something to lose sweat over basically, it's but not, it is. Yeah, it's not like I, it's not like I live in LA. It's not right. like every other, every other house is a celebrity. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. There's, but, um, I do actually have a question for you kind of going back to creation. Question and, for uh, me. That so hasn't question happened that I've wanted to, what, sorry, what did you say? <laughs> Question for me. That hasn't happened before. You got this reversed. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> well, I've never I've never spoken to another person before, like face-to-face, that uh, they makes YouTube videos. How much time goes into editing a video for you? Because it's something I've thought about a lot, because I always wonder if I spend too much time editing a video. Sure. Um, so how much time do you put into editing a video? So... I, I've I've been making videos for seven years and what I started off doing was I saw a lot of um, game game channels that did like top tens, uh, funny game reviews and stuff. And, you know, those are pretty highly produced. You got to write out a script. You have to edit. You have to put in jokes. You have to put in footage. And I jumped immediately in to try to do stuff like that. And that was that's the main cause of so many of my burnouts, because those videos would take like several, several months to actually release and this is all while I was still in school, you know, um, I was like, I had, I was still hanging out with like friends pretty frequently. I, I was a kid, you know, I, I, I had, yeah. it was hard to, to have me even focus in on video making. So, um, and that kept going for several years until there's a certain point where I realized like the ends not, don't really justify the means for me anymore with regards to working on such a long video until and wait for it to come out like a year later. And I had like maybe five really good videos that I released, videos that I'm proud of at least. And those would take me sometimes a year uh, for it to actually release, being stuck in the editing process specifically. If I were to count how much time is actually spent editing versus how much time is spent just me being demotivated to do it, it's not going to be an absolute ton, right? 
And now right. I have a part-time job in editing, so I, I'd like to think I have a better handle at uh, just getting down and doing it, right? Just getting the work done. Um, with these podcasts specifically, I, I, the focus of it is the conversations. The focus is what I'm saying. So when it comes to other production things, these podcasts usually aren't edited for the full version, right? Like small little edits here and there, but very little editing. I usually just listen over it and see if there's anything I need to fix, and then I fix it. Um, that's because... I, I understand that the important of what I'm doing is what I'm saying and what the other people are saying. So as long as I keep that the focus, the quickest way I can get that information out there is what I end up doing. So I've basically changed my creative mindset towards working on things like that. I've definitely had projects that have taken so long to edit, um, but ultimately it's no longer become viable because it becomes a slower way to get my words out there. And I've just realized that's what I want to do. That's 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 what I want to creatively produce is I want to articulate myself, want to get my thoughts out there. And the best way to do that is the best way to do that. So I had a bit of change. Um, this might be a long answer for your question. It, no, on I mean, average, I like, it. like I said, I don't, I don't talk to a lot of other content creators. So right. it's nice to hear somebody else's take on it. Uh, somebody else just kind of affirm other struggles that I've had with it and be like, yeah, yeah. you know, cause I've had a lot of those too. So I get for it, sure. you know? I mean, and, and, and uh, from watching your content, like I, I get the feeling that what you're saying is most important to you too. And I think that's why I found your channel so appealing because it, it's, I feel like we have similar approaches to that. And uh, with your like one video a week, you know, um, like because you have that set schedule, you have a limit to how much you can edit already. And I feel like that's healthy because you're not going to get lost in the minute details of editing. There's, there's something that I've... Uh... Uh, this is a callback that proves that I've watched a couple of your videos. There's okay. something that you've said in your videos before, which is uh, finished is better than perfect. It's like my favorite quote. Yeah. Yeah. And I I had to learn to, to live by that. So I do one a week, uh, bare minimum. I'll do one every two weeks. I'll, I won't go past two weeks anymore to avoid burnout. Um, yeah. If I if I try and be unrealistic and say I'm going to put two of these 15 minute videos out every single week on top of my job on top of my family on top of all these things, there's no way. And eventually no I'm way. going to do that. The content's going to suck. I'm going to get discouraged, and I'm just Absolutely. not going to do it anymore. I'm going to quit. You know? Yeah. So definitely. doing one a week or once every two weeks at minimum keeps me from getting burnt out. So I kind of put that in there. If even if I have the time, if I could record three videos in one day and edit them all out, then I would just, I'd be good for three weeks. I'd schedule them out one a week um, instead of, you know, three in one week. And then I could just take a little bit of a break. I haven't right. had that kind of luck. I have, I'm usually always down to the margin. My last video I uploaded on Friday, I uh, finished editing it midnight on Thursday and I finished making the thumbnail in the morning and then I immediately uploaded it. <laughs> right. Do you, but do you feel like this is another thing we like to talk about a lot on here is the idea of, of backlogging and uh, storing up content for later. Do you feel some more enjoyment when the content's a little bit more fresh for your sake? Like when you're working on it on a week by week basis, does it feel almost more involved because the duration of between you actually working on it and people watching it is so shortened? Is that refreshing to you? Like what's your kind of thoughts on that? I feel like um, I definitely like to not backlog. Uh, generally, I'll record a video. So I'll upload a video on Friday or Saturday, and then I'll record a video either Saturday or Sunday, and I'll edit it during the week. 
and then it'll go up on Friday or Saturday. So there's one week for me to edit and the video is up one week after I've recorded it. So it allows me to, and that's very important to, for me to do it in that quick turnaround of a week, which, I mean, I know some people that are daily uploaders, a week turnaround is not that quick, but it's the sure. most I can do is, you know, let's say uh, when the Irishman came out on Netflix, I watched it that night and then I put a video up as soon as I could get it, uh, as soon as I could do it. So when you're doing like pop culture and you're talking about things that are very new that just came out, it's important to get it out early. Definitely. But sometimes with uh, the niche that I'm in, uh, it's not necessarily important. If I can, if I can backlog one video that um, is a pretty simple video, let's say I'm just talking about Riverdale, right? A show that a show that's on, I think season five now. So there's not really any rush for me to get out a video on it immediately. I could put that video up, and then I'll have another video that's more important to me that I can spend now two weeks editing and have it be a more quality video. I can put sure. more time into it, try and make it a little fancier and a better product to put out so that I do have that one video there of Riverdale so that my video, my channel's not barren for two weeks or three weeks. But then if I have that backlog, that gives me more time to work on what I think might be a more important video that I'm more passionate about. For sure. And, and your type of content is interesting because it, you know, you are dealing with things that are so with the times, you know, mm -hmm. um, a lot of the content that I make, it's, it's very much like, I, I want to say timeless, but not in a good way. Like it's, it's, it's stale. <laughs> this feels weird. It's like stale <laughs> content that always exists, you know, whether or not you watch it today or tomorrow or next year or last year, it's all stuff that's kind of still applies. And I believe me, I'm not trying to say that in a good way, but it does definitely well, so, sometimes that sometimes that is a good thing though yeah because let's say i put out a video on a movie that just came out right right let's say i put it out two days after it came out and so that 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 thing has to do well right then it has to do well as soon as i release that thing in the next couple of days because there's a million other people making videos on that one movie or that one tv show or the trailer or book or whatever sure. it is and then in six months, nobody's going to care about that movie yeah, anymore. Nobody's going right. to be searching for, you know, uh, I don't know. Nobody's going to be searching for, for reviews on that one movie, so it's not going to get traction anymore. Sure. If you're making videos on things that are timeless, then you might always get just a steady influx Some sprinkling in always, yeah, yeah. Well, and, um, uh, you know, I there are a couple of timely stuff I do, like, for an example, one question that I will be asking you actually in a little bit is uh, I like to talk about, ask people about the pandemic and their experience with it and whatnot. And, um, you know, for those, those, I'm curious how those are, how people are going to react to those in the future, because it's very much in the now, but also it's very much a big part of history, you know, like people are going to probably look back at some point on all this pandemic stuff. I imagine, or maybe people will just not want to touch it because it's a different time. They're just thankful it's over. Right. We'll see what happens. I don't know. That's, but... that's, that's, that's interesting. Uh, how people are going to look back on it because the last time there was a pandemic was a hundred years ago in the other twenties in the 1920s. Mm -hmm. People written about it, you know? Yeah. It's not like now where <clears throat> every single, every single dude with a decent webcam and, and, uh, and a microphone could start making videos because they're stuck at home for six months, you know? Right. So there's just an infinite supply of stories that came out of this pandemic. Yeah, right. People will be able to look on in the future. 
that's true. That's true. We'll see what happens. You know, we didn't have this kind of archival back in the last pandemic and we'll, we'll see how people react to it now, you know? Um, uh, but yeah, I guess that said, this is probably the best time as ever to ask you, uh, Bailey, how have you been creatively affected by the pandemic or just 2020 as a whole? Um, to add a little caveats, like, do you feel like you've been consuming more escapism media than usual? Do you feel like you've had more of a drive to create because that's all you really can do in these times? Uh, what's What's been your effect with this whole thing? So to put into context, um, uh, oh God, how do, how do I put it? To put it into context, 2020 was incredibly difficult for my family. We, sure. um, we, we timed our move across, across four different states a thousand miles away from where we used to live in June of 2019 uh, or not 20 in June of 2020 and we had that set in stone for a long time we had no idea there was going to be a pandemic in the middle of our move and when we got here the house that we had originally rented wasn't available so we actually us uh, my wife and I and our two kids uh lived in a motel for for three months uh until we were able to buy the house that we have now and um it wasn't a bad motel it wasn't like we were in one room with two queen beds there was it was more like a like a small like 400 square foot apartment with a couple bedrooms and a kitchenette and everything uh but that was really difficult and i mean obviously that got in the way of uh creativity um it feels dirty to say that i'm jealous of some people that were stuck at home in like their you know in like their their home i guess not a motel room that were able to just consume media and then make videos about it or write uh because all i really wanted to just try and get into that escapism you're talking about but i was in a motel with a crt tv and an old you know, 2014 Dell laptop that I could not do anything on. So right. I really didn't have much of an escapism. And that's why when we got this house, one of the very first things we did was we set up my office area. We, we renovated the entire loft of our garage and turned it into my studio or office, whatever you want to call it, because not having any type of creative output for like six months, uh, was incredibly difficult for me because I've always had that. I've had a creative output since I was 11 years old when I started playing drums. Sure. And I started writing, started doing videos. And for six months, I didn't have any type of output. And creating stuff is my only hobby. Doing YouTube videos or writing or music are my only hobbies. So I didn't have anything. And uh, it was just really difficult. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, and I, I don't think it's it's dirty at all to be. That was a that was a yeah. long rant. <laughs> no, no, it, but, it's fine. That's totally know. fine. Um, I I don't think it's envious at all to to or sorry, dirty at all to be envious of such a normal lifestyle that we're used to having. You know, like we we mm. literally did have a very normal lifestyle that was kind of stripped away from us. So I I definitely wouldn't feel bad for for wanting to be able to create more, be able to watch more or whatnot. You know, right. that's something we're used to having. We, I don't we think anyone should in a pandemic that. and yeah. nobody wanted to be stuck at home, not being able to leave their home for yeah. months and months and months. Nobody so passed it, a bill to have a pandemic. To somebody that was also experiencing the pandemic and stuck in their home, but I was experiencing it too. And I just, I wanted to be stuck in a home. 
if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, but it still yeah. felt dirty to envy somebody also going through a pandemic in a tough time. Sure, sure. Well, and, and I, I, I trust that you're in a much better spot now, right? Like you're pretty happy with everything that's set up now. And we, yeah, we are, we're easily in the best spot we have ever been in our lives. We just bought an amazing house um, with, you know, enough rooms for us. Our kids get their own rooms, um, huge living room. It's got an acre of land that the kids can play in. Uh, got a phenomenal job that's a standard, like, five-day work week consistent schedule which is almost it's impossible to find these days definitely and i do very good with routine it helps me uh helps me create creatively and it just helps me stay sane to have a good routine yeah absolutely i'm definitely in a phenomenal place right now and to look back where we were in june july august and where we are now it's just amazing yeah it's like it's like the storm before the rainbow right it's it's, yeah uh, exactly yeah well, I'm very happy for you guys. I'm just glad you're in a much better spot now. Um, Thank you. That must have been a really tough transition. I, I, I was fortunate to not have to go through something like that. But I, uh, I'm very much, I'm very much empathetic towards, towards your family for having to, uh, go to a motel for a bit and stuff like that. I'm just, I'm glad you're out of it though. I'm glad you're, you're creating again and, uh, very thoroughly enjoying YouTube at least from what I understand of what we've talked about. I oh, do I have. Love- um we're getting a little bit close to wrapping up time uh Mm -hmm. but i do have one more question i wanted to go over with you um and it's something that i i personally find very interesting because this could be something that has a very creative or conceptual choice behind or it could be something that has a very simple answer i'm not entirely sure so this question might not go very many places but um your channel and a couple of other channels out there um have opted to not display your subscriber count in front of your channel or whatnot and I'm just very curious if there is like some creative reasoning behind that or if that's your way of motivating yourself into not being concerned about numbers or do I, not subsla- do, I, do I not display my subscriber count? <laughs> no. Do no, I not? Do, really? I don't display my subscriber count. Is this something you actually don't know or is this a bit? This is something I actually don't know. How do I do that? Wait, what? <laughs> you're, you're... I thought it was displayed this whole time. No. Are you kidding? Your YouTube, your YouTube has no I was thinking it was like a creative decision. Like, I don't want my content to be known by the amount of people that's following me. And I was like, wow, mad respect I, I'm to not, him. I'm not humble. I want people to see <laughs> how many people are subscribed to me. I want to... I don't mind bragging. Where do I go? How do I do that? <laughs> I'm actually not sure because very few creators actually do it. So I have no idea where you even select that in the settings. I don't know how you would accidentally do it either. I just, you know, uh, actually, uh, let me rephrase. You know, okay. I'm just a really down to earth guy. And, sure. uh, you know, creatively speaking, I didn't want the numbers to get oh, in the of way course. of the art. Of course, so, wow, very well articulated. Very yeah, well exactly. Articulated. You know? In fact, can it, I steal that? That sounds like a good point. Like, I want to make that later. Yeah, that can that can be yours. That okay, can be yours. I'll answer. keep that one. I'll keep that one. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Put that in your back pocket for later. Well, hey, interest. That's very interesting. Um, you didn't even know it wasn't. Uh, I guess it does always technically display for you, but uh, no. Yeah, you know. And what's really interesting is, um, I get because of the content that I do, uh, I get a lot more views on my videos than I do have subscribers. Like, you go to my you go to the little graphic and analytics where it shows how many people watch that are subscribed, how many people don't. My, it's like 99.2% of people that watch aren't subscribed because I got videos with thousands of views on them. Um, but it's because if you make a video 
on like okay my most popular one is on designated survivor right the tv show there's sure. not a lot of designated survivor videos out there so yeah when pe people search that i'm the first thing that pops up on youtube when they search designated survivor review right so i mean maybe maybe people are looking at my name and being like oh who's this guy with tons of subscribers and i'm just sitting over here like no because <laughs> like i i've seen other creators do it too like it, there's a small niche of uh creators out there who will in, hide it and then uh have some kind of reason some people will like get sub botted or something they're like i it's just a false false uh claim of, of what i actually represent some people's channels just don't perform as well as they used to you know back in the day and they mm -hmm. feel like they don't want to hold up to that kind of responsibility some people specifically just don't want to worry about the numbers so they decide to hide it or whatnot um, and I just thought that was fascinating to to notice that your channel was doing that because I was like, you know what, I'd, I'd love to talk to creators to why the you decision know, was made. I'm, I'm sorry I ruined your fascination by just being a complete accident. Oh, I don't fact, worry, this was much more fascinating. This, I'm getting on my computer and figuring out how to show <laughs> it because it is something I'm proud of. It's not a lot, but every yeah. single time you open up your statistics and you see the number go up one or two or three, it's a very proud moment. Yeah. You know, It's very fulfilling to see that you're putting all this time and effort into Definitely. your videos and you're getting the uh, the feedback that you want. For sure. So is that no matter how big or small the number, I'm proud to display it and uh, want to display it now that I found yeah. out that I'm not. <laughs> well, and, and to bring this kind of full circle to what we kind of started talking about today, um, you were mentioning earlier how like, uh, you know, every creator wants to have some kind of reception. It's ultimately yeah. the case. One thing I've said a lot in this podcast is just that at least my take of art is that art is communication from the artist to the audience. It's something that's being said to another person. And if you don't have anyone on that receiving end, are you really saying anything at all? You know, is that, could you even consider that art if you're not presenting it to another person? That's kind of the way I've been viewing it. Um, even if you're creating for yourself, like that's it's um, expression or whatnot, but it's, it's hard for me to identify that as so much art. If there's not, kind if there's not another reacting factor basically so it's it's definitely okay to be um interested in like i want people to watch my videos i want there to be someone on the receiving end yeah. and um working towards expanding your audiences or whatnot is never something i would discourage obviously. Oh, yeah. and i mean um like you said it's easier when you're when there's someone on the receiving end of your creations to make things because even you know when you have zero subscribers then it's hard to talk to a camera as as if you as if you're pretending there's an audience yeah, there. When you know in your head, you're not actually talking to anybody. So even right. if you have a hundred subscribers or a thousand subscribers, uh, you know, you know when you're talking, you're at least talking to some people. Yeah. At least some people are guaranteed gonna watch this. So it's easier to talk to the camera as if there's yeah. an audience there. Right. And to anyone out there who doesn't have a YouTube channel and is thinking about making one and is worried about creating for not having an audience yet, you know, just keep in mind when you have the microphone in front of you, just imagine you're talking to your friends or whoever you might want to show this to. I mean, the chances are someone you know is probably going to be interested in to see your first video or something like that, right? Yeah. So you can always use that as practice. Think like, oh, uh, Jared or is going to watch this, so I got to try to articulate myself oh, properly yeah. or whatnot. But also, of course, we mentioned earlier, um, you said like, to be a writer, you have to write or something similar, right? It's like just the process of constantly speaking into a microphone or constantly writing things down or constantly playing music that all helps the process and makes it normalized while talking to a camera doesn't initially feel normal, right? Exactly, yeah. My, my goal with my videos has always been to have a conversational feel to it. I want it to feel like, you know when you go to a movie theater and you go out 
on the sidewalk after you're done or you sit in your car with your buddy and you talk about the movie that you just watched for 15, 20 minutes. I want that type of feeling in the video. I want it to feel like it's just somebody talking about something conversationally. I don't want it to be an essay. It's not a professional criticism of something. It's Definitely. just me, some guy giving my opinion in a conversational friendly way to somebody. Yeah. And it's, no matter it's... what, whether you were talking to uh, no audience whatsoever, when you're just getting started, like you said, it's easy to channel that feeling of just getting out of the movie Definitely. theater, talking about something you're passionate yeah. about. For sure. And like, one thing I don't get from your videos is the idea that you're trying to persuade some or persuade people that this is the direct take. Like you said, it is a conversation. It's food for thought for other yeah. people. It's there's a lot of like other reviews out there where people kind of take the approach of like, I'm going to tell you why this is amazing as opposed to like, this is how I personally re uh, reacted to this or whatnot. And it, it becomes almost hostile to some extent with a lot of people online uh, not just in actual reviews, but in comments and discussion boards, discord chats and stuff like people get the idea in their head of these right and wrong opinions specifically about these movies. I don't get that from your videos though. I get like genuinely, this is my take just as I would say to you, like you said, outside of movie theater, once we're done watching a movie and uh, you know, there's something, there's something great about that. You know, people, there's a reason people you know, that, like watching. That, that, that feels great to hear. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, like I said, I'm a big fan of your channel. I love the way you review things. Uh, I don't, I don't really right now have an outlet of reviewing movies or video games, but if I were, I feel like I'd be doing something very similar to the way you do it because that's just what fascinates me is, is the important things that that's important to you basically. Hey, you know what? I mean, I'd love to, uh, if you ever did want to have some kind of outlet, uh, I would love to have you on in more of a conversational way to talk about it. I've never done that before, but I mean, I could, if there's something that I see you tweet about that you're like, I just watched this movie. And if I just watched this movie, I yeah. might send a tweet your way and be like, hey, you want to have a 15-minute conversation about this? I'll throw it on my channel. I, it would fun. be an absolute pleasure. I'd love to uh, to do something like that. Yeah, I, and, and with your channel specifically, like, I just feel a lot of a lot of similarities the way you go about it. So I, I very much appreciate your content or whatnot. I look forward to your videos. And um, yeah, Thank if you. we can work that. out something in the future for that, then definitely I'd love to do that. Um, as for this podcast, though, we've unfortunately kind of hit our running out of time mark. Um they you know these conversations always they always go by so fast i can't be surprised at this they point do. yeah they yeah. do when you said an hour um when you said uh an hour podcast i was like is it am i is it gonna get awkward at any point am i gonna <laughs> be able to is there gonna be a moment where it's like dead silence and we're just both thinking man maybe we should have made this a half hour podcast but no it flew no. by i didn't realize it was already an hour you know, I, I, in every invite, I still include the bit like, hey, if you guys want to do a half an hour, we can. Every time I'm crossing my fingers, they don't say yes, because I know that there's going to be way too much to talk about. Like, within, like I, I, wrote, I always write down questions because I feel like it gets me prepared. Never mm -hmm. once in this podcast did I actually look at the sheet of questions just because I like to talk about what interests me, similar to your content. And I find that in the conversation. But um, there's a lot of questions basically that I didn't even get close to asking. But that's just the nature of it, you know. Um, and and maybe maybe we'll do this again sometime, you know. Maybe maybe if we're hey, both. I'd in always right be place. down. Just, yeah. Just shoot me a message. I'm here when I'm uh, So anyway, Bailey, would you care to um, kind of talk about where people can find you? Uh, maybe something you might be working on uh, in the future. Keep in mind the date as to when this comes out is kind of slim, but just general networking of how people can find your art and whatnot. So I've tried to make it as easy as possible. You can go to Twitter, 
or uh, Instagram or the big ones, YouTube, obviously, and just search Bailey Ordway. Um, it's my name on absolutely everything. I'm not on Facebook. I work very, very hard to not be on Facebook. So don't bother looking there. Um, but As I we tweet all the time. If you ever want to talk to me, you can tweet at me. And uh, I'm a phone addict. It's in my pocket all the time, unfortunately. So I will see it. Um, and on YouTube, I'm Bailey Ordway. And the profile picture is my beautiful face. So you'll see it. Except it's covered in sunglasses. So just look for a big old grin with sunglasses. And that's yeah. me. A lot of false advertisement. I was expecting you to wear sunglasses here and you didn't. It's uh, kind of a shame, you know? I mean, I'm not Casey way. Neistat. I'm not that cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not quite Casey Neistat. All no, right, not, well, not quite. Not quite. You're almost there. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thanks for watching. Make sure you guys um, tune in next time for the next podcast. Uh, for all my patrons out there listening, thank you so much for supporting. If you'd like to check out any of these topics uh, again, if you forgot something or just want to see something in broader detail or cut or just from other podcasts, Reminder that I upload these topics twice a week on my YouTube channel. You can always check those out there. Uh, And with that, I'll see you guys in the next podcast episode. So thank you so much. Until next time.